0: Hey everybody, so excited that you have joined us on the Link Church podcast channel. We believe that this message will not only leave you feeling welcome, but we do believe that it will rock you and it will also move you. A moment for God to speak right into your context. So enjoy today's message. Oh, hello. to be with you. I don't know where you're sitting, perhaps you're at your kitchen counter or on your couch, but I hope you are comfortable and yet you have a presence and a readiness to engage with what God has for us this morning. I just want to say thank you for showing up. Uh, I know that it's no small thing to choose to be in your lounge present and ready for church on a Sunday. And so we want to say it is so good to be with you. And I know that God has something for you this morning. It is is—it is, it is not an accident that we are speaking about awakening revival in the homes as we all sit socially distant in our homes, amen? And yet we're engaging the Word of God and I believe as you, as you sit or stand or wherever you are this morning in your homes that God is gonna meet you in, in what He wants to, to build within your homes for the future. And so we're in this amazing series. If you're just tuning in, Hello and welcome, but we're in this series called The God-Breathed Life, and I love this title because it just arrests us in a moment, and you're probably wondering if you're new here what that even means, and so I want to help, help some of us just get on, on the same page, but I don't know if you've heard this before, but we've been saying for the last couple of months that we exist as a church to champion God-breathed living. That's who we are. You cut us. We bleed that. You're going to be wheeling me in on my wheelchair in my 80s, and I'm still going to be championing God, breathe living in you. Amen? There's no retiring in the house of God. We keep going. We keep going. And, you know, we're giving everything in this season. I want you to know that. As 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 a staff and as a team, we are giving everything in this season, and I mean everything, to see your soul lit up to see your heart spoken to with the truth of Scripture, that you would something in you would come alive as you engage with the truth and the power of God through Scripture, that it would speak to your heart. And we want to inspire you to become the best version of yourself. And then we want you to give away that best every day. That is what we are doing in this moment. Everything that we do, triads and groups and uh, gathering online, all that we do is to champion the God-breathed life in you. And why are we doing this? Why is it so important to us? Because it's God's breath that produces life. You don't have life without breath. In Genesis, He awakened, He created, it all came from His breath. And He's been doing it from the beginning of time and He hasn't stopped today. And I truly believe, and we see it throughout scripture, that it's His breath that brings about revival. It's His breath that has the power to transform and change and mold and make. And do something powerful with the human heart. And so, um, I don't really know what you f- what you feel about this moment called COVID. It has been going on for a while now. So we we are um, we're becoming more comfortable, perhaps, with this way of life. It's not it's not comfortable in what we have to do every day, or what we or some of the restrictions. And yet we're, it's becoming familiar. But I believe God is doing something powerful in amidst this moment, and amidst the discomfort of the moment, moment, and amidst the familiarity of the moment, I believe God is moving amidst the body of Christ to awaken rhythms that will revive our hearts, our homes, our churches, and our cities, and He's gonna use a pandemic to do so, amen. Nothing is lost in this moment. And you know, I've been spending some time as I do reading about revival. There's beautiful stories and online, you can go and find them, there's incredible books about the great awakenings in history, great revivals that happened. And as I've read through these stories, there's a common thread that flows through all of them. And it's this, we cannot promote revival, but we can prepare for it. You and I do not have the power to promote or manufacture or make it happen. That is the power of the breath of God. He does what he will do. But you know what we can do, church? Even as we sit in our homes, we can prepare for it. And so in week one, I loved how Attil brought this incredible idea to the table. He said revival is more about what's happening. Revival is more about what's happening in here than what's happening out there. He made it personal, he brought it home, he gave us something to own in this season. And then last week, Mark showed us how we can prepare our hearts, how we can build rhythms into our lives that prepare us for revival. If you're watching right now, I love people who comment because I go back and I see who was there and I feel like I can see your face. If you were here last week, and you can remember the three points, I'd love you to put them in the comment section. I will buy you a chocolate if you get all three right. That's the truth. But if you weren't here last week, I'm gonna tell you anyway. Let's <laughs> trust the blood, tell the story and take a rest, rhythms that we build into our lives to prepare us for the revival that God wants to bring to this planet. And then this week, I wanna explore what it looks like for us to prepare for revival in our homes. Can I get an amen for revival in our homes? I can tell y'all I need some of that. Okay, so I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, and I'm gonna be reading from verse 20 to 25. I'm actually reading from the English Standard Version. So if you haven't got that paper Bible with you, it's gonna come up on the screen. When your son asks you or when your children ask you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to him, we were Pharaoh's slave in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before us and He brought us out from there that He might bring us in. Say, bring us in. And give us the land that He swore to give to our fathers. The title of my message, if you're a great note as we spoke about in the pre-service, y'all are great note takers, I can feel it, is a bring bring it home, bring it home. If you do nothing else in 2021, would you do this? Would you build your home around Him? I have three steps, or three ideas, or three rhythms, keeping with this conversation of the rhythms, awakening the rhythms of revival. Three ideas, three ryth- rhythms to awakening revival in our home so that one day, when our children ask, we will be able to tell them a story of a God who gifted us a God-breathed laugh, and then we in turn gave it away. And the first rhythm or the first idea I have for you is break it off. Whatever your home or family situation may look like, can we agree, can we agree that there are just some things that we've perhaps been doing year on year that are unhelpful? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Habits, lifestyle choices, ways of doing things that they're, they're not necessarily wrong, they're just not the best way. And so I don't know if you know a bit of my story, but I, I got, we got married pretty young and um, I had a very strategic approach to confrontation. And it was this, run, hard, go mute, pretend nothing is happening. For me, it was foolproof. It meant that we would never have to have difficult conversations and life would just carry on as normal. But as you know, if you are married, that is not the case. And if you don't deal with things, they tend to get worse and worse. And worse. And so what happened years into our marriage is I had to figure out a new way of dealing with confrontation. I had to find new ways of being able to articulate what I was feeling. I had to embrace that perhaps the discomfort of a, a difficult conversation was for my good and not something else. And so I went on a journey of what it looked like to be able to use my voice. To have hard conversations so that we and our marriage could move forward. What are the unhealthy practices or rhythms or repetitive cycles that you can see happening in your home year on year? And what if you change? What would happen if you changed your approach? Have you said these things? It is what it is. It is what it is. Or it's the way my mom or dad did it. Come on. Back in the good old days, we used to do it like this. When I was growing up, we had to be like this, we had to do that, and this is how we're gonna carry on into the future. And I'm not one to negate that we can learn from the past and that there are many good things that we can take forward, practices, traditions, perhaps from the way that we were raised into our future. But I'm also aware that my own children, humbling, are one day gonna sit back and look at the way we raised them and, and, and try and discern and in wisdom see what was healthy and unhealthy and then build that into the future of their lives. They're gonna to choose to break some things off. And there's no shame in admitting that things are not perhaps what we hoped they would be or that perhaps there's a better way. This breaking things off is necessary for the awakening of revival in our homes. And we need to ask ourselves, what is holding us back from walking into the God-breathed life that he has for us? I wanna to read to you from Hebrews um, Hebrews, somewhere, my goodness. 12, chapter one to three, thank you. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we stand on the firm foundation of people who've lived out this faith before. We are not here alone, we're not struggling in the dark. We stand upon the foundation of faith of people who have lived before us and we're surrounded by them. It says, let us lay aside every weight, say every weight, weight and the sin, this word sin means to miss the mark, and the sin, the things that we're missing the mark in, which so easily ensnare us, that hold us back, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What would it look like for you and I to take a look at our lives and ask the question, is this helpful for the future I want to build for me and for my family? I want you to hear this in your homes this morning. I'm speaking to all of you, I'm speaking to myself. It's not that our habits and practices are essentially wrong. It could just be that they belong to yesterday. And God is asking us to take on a new way for a new day. In the book of Mark in chapter two, you will have heard, perhaps there's this famous passage of scripture, it's about old and new wineskins. And I don't know about you, but there was a, a period of time where I was like, I just don't get it. But what essentially is happening is Jesus is responding to the Pharisees who've questioned Him about why His disciples don't fast, like the other Pharisees. I get that wrong every time. There are some very difficult biblical words out there. We need like a course for them. But anyway, they're questioning to why Jesus' disciples don't fast. They're not doing what the other disciples are perhaps doing. And Jesus responds by saying this in Mark chapter 2, verse 21. No one sews a patch of unshrunk or new cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the fermenting wine will expand and burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be put into new wineskins. I want to paraphrase this for you this morning. The practices, traditions, decisions, or ways from yesterday may not fit into who we are and what we are wanting to build right now for the future we see in front of us, for our homes, for our family. They're not wrong. But perhaps they're old wineskins and God is wanting to pour in a new wine, a fresh wind, fresh breath into our homes in this season. And if we hang on so tightly to what we've always known, we could miss it. And there's an invitation for all of us to prepare in this way, to take a look at our lives and ask the question, Is there perhaps something that I can let go of in this new season? This is a new day, friends. It is not comfortable, it is not familiar in terms of what we know life to look like, but it's new and it requires a new way. And in order for us to prepare for it, we can respond to this idea of breaking things off. And I want you to, in this moment, right now, write down on your journal, ask the Holy Spirit, send a prayer upward. What do I need to let go of? What is holding us back in our homes? Where am I missing the mark? What weight is holding me down in Jesus' name? And then I want you to take what God shows you because he wants to speak to you. He's still speaking today. I want you to take what he shows you and begin to move forward in letting that go in your life. Amen? Amen? The second rhythm or second thing I have to share with you this morning is the idea of build it up. Build it up. Say build it up. In order for us to prepare for arrival, we need to build certain practices into our lives. Breaking things off is one part of the process. The second is to build practices into our lives. And I don't know um, if you know this, but from what I've seen in scriptures that there's always ways and practices that seem to usher in the blessing and the favor of God. Okay? So for example, a generosity is a principle and a practice. It's a rhythm, a way of God. And when we live this out, our world gets bigger and bigger. That's what the Bible says, I've seen that to be true in my life. Living in unity is a principle that we see in Scripture. It's a practice, it's a way and a rhythm, and when we live in that way, heaven commands blessing over our lives. Reading the Word is a practice, it's a way, it's a rhythm that we build into our lives, and when we do this, our minds are renewed, our hearts are cleansed, our lives are transformed. Rhythms that we see in Scripture, that we build into our lives because we know that they're blessed. And so I wanna ask you what everyday seemingly normal traditions or rhythms are you wanting to build or are building into your life so your children will look back and see a thread of Jesus, His grace in their lives. And so this morning I wanna give you a quick snapshot into our lives, just, just a disclaimer. We're not a perfect family. Please do not sit in your situation and listen to what I'm about to share with you and, and feel like you're a failure or that you, you, know, you don't carry shame. <laughs> because just yesterday, I questioned every single thing that we had built into our home. Because we got a puppy, we got a puppy. Because when you have four kids and you can't have more kids, you get a puppy. And you know, it, it just was the messiest day In fact, I I had to take regular trips to the bathroom to breathe and remind myself that it was gonna be okay and Jesus was in control, amen. Some of you sitting right now on your couches, the kids are circling you and you're trying to engage this moment. You're wondering how it's all gonna work out. I want to encourage you to keep leaning in, keep listening to what I have to say. Nobody's judging me, right? Amen. So over time, we have built traditions, practices, rhythms into our lives, if you like. And I know, like I said, we're not perfect, but I know that these rhythms and traditions and practices are gonna build something in our lives that will shape something in our children, will shape the culture of our home, so that one day when our kids are older, they will look back and they will ask why we did all this and we'll be able to tell them about a God who went before and saved and redeemed and restored. And the same is true for their lives. And so, just to say as well, I actually feel in this moment, some of you are rolling your eyes at me because my kids are small, smallish, and you've got teenagers and perhaps children journeying through adolescence and adulthood and you're like, yeah, wait, it's coming. It's coming for you, you've done all these good things, but you know, they, they tend to go their own way and do all the things. I just wanna ask you this moment not to be cynical I know my kids are young, but the Bible promises us, and I'm taking hold of this promise, that when we train our children in the ways of Him, it says they will not depart from Him when they're old. That is the truth. They may go on a roundabout journey to get there, but I'm not planning for that roundabout journey. I'm planning for the future when they call Jesus their Lord and their King and their Savior and their all. Amen. And so for us in our home, again, not the perfect family, the word matters. The word matters, they hear it, they see it, we talk about it. You know what, we have gotta use the screens, friends, it's on the TV, it's called the Bible Project. It's a cartoon Bible for children. Our our kids' church, Labor Everyday Bridge is exceptional, and she labors in this place to put a resource on on YouTube so your children can engage with truth, with scripture. They watch it, we've gotta give them things that they can engage with. You can buy devotionals. You can help them read them. You can, this is particularly good. I will follow Jesus but Judah and Chelsea Smith. I am not sponsored. We buy all the things. So go and buy resources that will help your children. Amen. The Bible's everywhere in our homes. And I tell them often that the word works. It always works. And when we embrace it, even when we don't understand it, and bring ourselves into alignment with His truth, our lives are full of freedom and full of hope and full of purpose and full of faith. The Word matters. That in our home, the table matters. Our table, whether it's the, uh, the counter in the kitchen or the table or outside sitting on the floor on the deck is a place of connection and gaining courage. It's where we build traditions into the fabric of our home and we practice communion again this is something that we uh, we're not with the perfect family doing it all the time but these are things that i have seen produce fruit in our home we practice communion consistently because we believe that when we fix our eyes on jesus and look at him and take our eyes off everything else that's going on around us power is transported into our souls and we gain courage and clarity for the future So we share communion, we share food, and we share our hearts. Our table is a place of openness where you can share your feelings, your highs and your lows, your good days and your bad days. Sometimes we try and nip the bad days in the bud because the girls can go on. But, you know, we let them talk openly about where they're at and what life is is presenting in front of them because I want them to know that our table is always a place that they can come home to no matter what they're journeying through in their lives, that there is no shame and condemnation and our table is a place of freedom and hope. Pancake Saturday is a thing, y'all, okay? And it, this is not something we do because we like pancakes, although we do like pancakes. There's a consistency to it. It's a rhythm where the children know, and they're the most excited. We get woken up with, that's Pancake Saturday, every Saturday. With our, our children know that dad is there, and he's present, and he makes so many pancakes because he's so generous, and he listens to their heart, and he speaks life over them. And we take a moment to just be, and it happens every week. The table matters prayer matters, I will never forget a moment, Mackenzie was very little and Dylan came and he said to me, I'm gonna pray over our children every night. That's a point we had one, just quite easy, just to pray one. And I thought to myself, humbly, I must admit this in the moment, that's nice love. And then you think, well, it's gonna happen for a while and then it's gonna stop, but you know what? It never stopped. And then we kept adding children and now the prayer time takes a lot of time so beautiful, And there's this beautiful song by Chris Rice, I don't know if any of you know him, but um, the words are, mama prays and Jesus stands beside me, daddy prays and the devil has to run. And I've always held on to that, that as we pray over our children, Jesus stands beside them and the devil has to run, there's a protection around them, there's a security that we provide them by praying for them consistently. It's just a rhythm, you know, and sometimes Dylan is tired. And sometimes he doesn't feel like it. And sometimes they're just hectic. And we just want to not do anything with them. We want to just sit on the couch. But he gets up every night or I bring them to him and we pray and we believe that God is depositing something in their hearts for the future so that one day When they ask why, they will be able to see a thread of grace in their lives. And then the other thing that we build up in our homes very quickly is the company that we keep matters. Our friendships are important. Who spends time around our children is important. We choose wisely about what we expose them to and we ask for help, y'all. There is no shame. There is no shame in asking someone who's doing things perhaps a little better than you for help. I have asked many people who I believe are exceptional parents, exceptional parents, who have have journeyed a road of parenting before me for help, for input, for wisdom, for insight, because I know that the saying is true, it does take a a village to raise our kids, to raise the next generation. You know, our vision for one, for all this year, church, it, it really is largely a call for you and I as the church to go back to basics, to allow the rhythms, the ways of God to build a bigness back in our lives. It's not just a statement we've thrown out there because we know it sounds good. It's because it has significance to what we do every day and that's to build rhythms into our lives that we know are gonna prepare us for a revival of God. And we all, can I speak to you this morning, wherever you are, in your life. We all have this privilege and opportunity to build something for the next generation. You may not have children. That may not have been your story and it is incredibly painful for you to sit right now and hear me speak about these things. I want you to know that you are not disqualified from building the next generation that God has deposited the spirit of a mother and a father in every single man and every single woman. And so if that is not your story, you still have a role to play, amen? If you are perhaps walking through a divorce right now, perhaps that has been your story in the past, I want you to know that all is not lost and people are telling you that that things cannot be redeemed. I want you to know that there is nothing too far out of reach for God's hand. And He will build something beautiful in the lives of your children if you just commit to follow Him and ask Him daily, what are the things I need to build into my home? Would you build your homes around Him? In Jesus' name. And the final rhythm I have for you, (laughs) there's been a lot, I know, you'll have to go back and listen to it again. The final rhythm is be in the moment. You know the greatest rhythm I think we can bring to the generation rising up is our presence. Yesterday is in the past. We don't have much control over what com- is coming in the future but we do have right now and we do have today and there is great power in your presence to listen to what's being said, to watch and discern what's going on around you and then to seize every opportunity in front of you to share testimony of God's grace and goodness, to tell the story, as Mark said, because revival is awakened when you and I begin to share good news in our homes, stories of God's faithfulness throughout our lives. To tell stories of God's faithfulness, church, is to call forth overcoming. It's to declare that He's done it before and so He will do it again, amen? You know, I have a story to tell and I'm very briefly going to tell it to you. Put it this way, I was not, um, if you had a lineup of most likely to pastor a church and I was in it, you would not have picked me. But this is my story. I had a great upbringing. I have beautiful parents who I believe with great intentionality did everything that they could do to raise me and train me. And yet I still made poor choices. <laughs> And as a young adult, I found myself insecure, broken, dishonest, living a life full of shame, hiding from my pain, unable to face myself. And you know what? Then I met Jesus. Not a man, not a pastor, not a leader. I encountered the spirit of the living God. And He pulled me right out of the grave that I was digging for myself. And now I can say with confidence because this is my testimony and story that once I was dead, but now I am alive. And I give testimony to a God that is faithful above all else because He rescued me. God is mighty to save and powerful beyond measure. And so you know what? I will never, ever withhold that truth or that that message, that testimony from our children. It is a foundation of overcoming for them. Amen. I want to read to you quickly from Psalm 78. Listen, dear friends, to God's truth. Bend your ears to what I tell you. I'm chewing on the morsel of a proverb. I'll let you in on the sweet old truths. Stories we heard from our fathers. Counsel we heard on our mother's knee. We're not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation, God's fame and God's fortune, the marvelous things that He's done. He planted a witness in Jacob, set His word firmly in Israel, then commanded our parents to teach it to their children so the next generation would know and all the generations to come, they would know the truth and tell the stories so their children can trust in God. Our stories will set in motion I trust in our children. I want you to hear that this morning. Tell your story. Don't withhold it because perhaps you're carrying shame or perhaps you're carrying brokenness around what your past looked like. Tell your story. Tell the generation rising up that there is something that God did powerfully in my life. I wanna leave you this morning with a picture. I know you've all been looking at this going, that's very odd. What is a pot doing here? But I'll never forget a moment where Dylan and I were walking in great brokenness. We had taken a season out of church. We'd handed it over and said, we're gonna take three months off to figure out what rhythms we need to build into our lives to make it through as a family in a healthy way. And we were sitting with people and I'll never forget a beautiful woman said to me, just live your life in one big pot. Put it all in. Your new very cute puppy. Your church, your table, your work, your school, your relationships, you put it all in the pot. But what happens when you put things in a pot and you stir them around? They get messy. So often in life, we're trying to live our lives in, in little compartments of perfection, hoping that in my home is perfect, then my work will be perfect, then my school will be perfect, then my marriage will be perfect, and then everybody will see that I am perfect. It's impossible. I believe we've been called to live lives from one big pot where we throw in all of it, our children as well, and we live in a beautiful, messy, glorious existence with the Spirit of God leading the way. Can I encourage you this morning, if you hear nothing else, build your homes around Him and take your children, take the next generation on the journey. Revival is upon us. The restoration of God, the breath of God, the returning to grace is upon us. I can feel it in my bones and in His genius and His kindness. God is not asking us to do anything. He's asking us to prepare, to prepare our hearts, to prepare our homes, to break things off, build things up and be in the moment. I wanna pray for you. Thank you. Thank you, God, that you're in this moment. I pray blessing upon blessing on every single home watching now. I pray that God, the Spirit of the living God, that you would move in homes right in this moment to awaken, to revive, to restore and redeem. In Jesus' name, we say thank you. We say thank you for what you're building in us and thank you for the future that you're building in the next generation. We take hold of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the message today. If you are feeling encouraged, inspired, and moved by this message, I want to encourage you to head on over to our YouTube channel at Link Church for more amazing content. Have a great day.